Hello, my name is Declan Deneen, welcome to Checkpoints. This is a show about video games, the people who play them and the people who make them. Each episode a guest on the show talks about the games that have shaped their life in one way or another. Games that have inspired them, games that have forged connections, and games that have soothed wounds. My guest on today's episode is Dane McCappin, aka Dane Hearthstone. Um, if you don't play Hearthstone, don't be put off by this. Like uh, I'm, I'm aware that this is appears to be a very uh, Hearthstone-centric episode, uh, and we do talk about it a bit. But it's it's we cover all kinds of interest and stuff. Not least the fact that Dane is the first streamer that I've had on the the show. Um, a few episodes back, I spoke to uh, Dr. Mark Johnson, who's doing a postdoc, like studying uh, streamers and esports and the ways that kind of money and gaming uh, combine. Uh, but just from like a personal point of view, it was just fascinating to talk to Dane as someone who you know plays video games for a living, um, and and also as someone that you know I watch. Like I've mentioned on the show several times in the past that. I don't watch a huge amount of games online. I don't watch a huge amount of Let's Plays or, or live streaming. Uh, but Hearthstone, I find um, I'm always drawn to, partly because I play it, so I'm very familiar with the game, uh, but also because like they're just these little perfect 10-minute chunks, you know? Um, I always I, I, I just talked to a friend a few days ago about how Netflix should introduce the category, which is like 10 minutes or less, because um, they're just these perfect little bite-sized clips. And... There's something about Hearthstone. Um, again, I've mentioned this on the show before that it's the appeal of watching it. It's like you know, it's like watching snooker. You know, you're watching the player play themselves as much as you are the the uh, opposing player. Um, and Dane, I particularly enjoy because he's kind of he is extremely experimental in the way he plays the game. Like he plays in Wild, which is if you're not familiar with Hearthstone. There's like a standard set of cards that rotate and wild is just every card ever. So you have lots of kind of broken interactions and, and combos that, that Dane takes full advantage of to make kind of spectacular um, effects and decks and stuff. I just want to point out as well, just on a, on a technical level, a note for the show, about 10 or 15 minutes into the show, we start talking about the Saturn and the, the Dreamcast spoilers. And we go on a long chat about the Saturn, but we're actually talking about the Dreamcast. This should hopefully be self-evident, you know, once we're like a minute or two into the chat. But um, just so you know, you don't feel the need to correct me or anything. <laughs> anyway, it's it's a really good chat. I, I hope you enjoy it. I hope you've been enjoying the show uh, as much as I have been recording it. Uh, if you have been enjoying the show, please do rate and review it on iTunes. It's uh, hugely useful and helps spread the word uh, of the show, helps new people discover it. Um, if you really like the show, there's a Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash checkpoints. Any and all donations are very gratefully received and go back into making the show as good as it possibly can be. Uh, while I'm I'm doing the admin stuff, if you'd like to get in touch with the show for whatever reason, uh, well, any reason at all, you can email us checkpointspodcast at gmail.com or it's at checkpointshow on Twitter or it's checkpointspodcast on Facebook because it's very important to have consistent branding um should be back to uh, a fairly regular schedule for the foreseeable future um so i'll just you know finish up the intro and say we'll be back next week with a new episode and a new guest but until then let's get on with the show
Um, well, let's uh, let's start then. I'll do a formal introduction for the sake of ceremony. So, Dane, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for coming on. I'm very excited to chat. Uh, if you don't mind, would you introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. My name's Dane, online known as Dane Halfstone. It's not the most original name. It's just my name plus the game that I play. Uh, yeah, I play and stream Hearthstone for about two years now. Um, generally play funky decks online on Twitch. Uh, never, Not really known for playing any other, other game, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very into games like Dota and uh, first-person shooters. Uh, but uh, I, I'll probably stream them one day. I just, have, I just haven't found the right time to do it yet. I'm I'm very excited to talk to you, Dane. Like, not only like am I a big fan of your stream, uh, and weirdly, not really a stream because I'm not. I, I don't really watch Twitch ever, unless it's like a, a tournament. Like I was watching the the Invitationals yesterday of Hearthstone. Yeah. Um, but it's YouTube. Like it's it's YouTube videos of of, uh, and you are one of my favorites. Uh, but because oh, you play such kind of weird, exciting, interesting decks and stuff in Hearthstone. Um, yeah. But I'm just generally really excited to speak to a streamer. I haven't spoken to a streamer on the show yet, and it's it's such a weird, brilliant, fascinating thing. Like I had, I spoke to a guy on the show about two weeks ago. Um, he, he's an English guy, but he lives in in Canada now, uh, and he's doing a PhD. He's doing a doctorate, and he's just written a book about um, the sort of intersection between money and gaming, in particular, like streamers and, and esports. And so he's been doing like tons and tons of research into. The streaming community and like how that how it's kind of it's seen as like a really fun thing and it can be obviously it is but it's also the line between work and play becomes really kind of it comes blurred. blurred yeah because he's <laughs> and he also used to be when he was a he, he's an amazing guy like a ck the interview when he was a teenager he was a professional poker player for a couple of years yeah um, and so it's the same like he, he just he saw himself in these kind of people that had made uh, started doing streaming so th- i take it that is now your your job like that's what you do at the moment yeah so previously before this uh i was a cisco engineer for about 12 years uh you know in some cases it's, it's a stressful job depending on the where you're working what what building it's in so i work for the nhs as an engineer and the liverpool city council so different levels of stress but uh, gradually, when I'd got home, de-stressed, played games, I thought, well, you know what, I might as well stream these. It won't make any difference if I stream them or not. And then gradually, you know, stuff got more and more popular to the point where uh, it was probably, I was probably making the same amount of money as I was at work. So I thought, well, you know what, I'm, I'm enjoying this more than I am doing work at the minute. It was With work, it was more, there was no more challenge with, with what I was doing. So I thought, well, this is different, you know, how would I make money off this? uh what other opportunities are there so i just went and did that safe in the knowledge that 12 years experience if, if it all went you know all went wrong i could essentially just go back and get myself a uh you know a cisco engineering job afterwards uh so that's the way it's panned out at the moment it's been going it's been going well i'm enjoying it i've been doing it now full time for about five months four or five months and is that kind of you mentioned before we started recording that you had been in uh, you, you were now living in Spain? Is that kind of did that tie into the same thing? You're like, I'm going to move to Spain and play video games <laughs> all day. Yeah, well, my my uh, girlfriend's Spanish, so uh, it was a choice between her coming to the UK or or, or me coming here. And I think she's uh, she's more close to her, her parents than I am. Not to say I'm not close to my parents, but she's very close to her parents. So uh, I said, yeah, I can, I can do. It's more flexible for me. And uh, you know, even eventually when I pick up full Spanish. I could get a uh, you know an engineering job out here if I needed to, so it's yeah. more more of a better idea, I think. 
And multilingual streaming as well, obviously. I'll tell you what, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, like, okay. I've got so many questions because it's such a, like the way you described it then, you sort of, it sounded like you kind of almost kind of fell into it in a way that it was just like you weren't really thinking, oh, I'm going to do this. This is the sort of thing I'm going to do. I mean, I'm sure that you had that decision at some point down the road. Um, but what I thought, like, yeah. with you in particular, like what I found really interesting is that you you seem to have really found like a really good niche. Like, you know, you said on, on Twitch and stuff, you're, you're Dane Hearthstone. And you are specifically, even within Hearthstone, you have your niche in that you play, you play wild and you play really crazy experimental decks. Like that all seems quite calculated, you know? It seems like, well, how can I, how can yeah. I make mark myself out as different? Which, which implies a bit more of a, as I say, like a, a sort of calculated move to try and, you know, be different. Well, no, yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't intentionally, it wasn't intentional the way it worked out. So the way it worked, I, I knew I could never become a, uh, you know, a professional player, whatever you, you want to say for a Hearthstone, like tournament player, because I didn't have the time. And I only wanted to play for fun. Because um, I, originally, I was originally playing Dota quite a lot. And I, I was getting slowly bored of that. I moved on to Hearthstone. And I just did what was fun. And uh you know, people responded when I, I uploaded them to YouTube and whatnot. Um, and then when Wild and Standard split, so in Hearthstone there's two there's two modes. There's a uh, Standard and Wild. Standard has new card set rotations, and Wild has every single card that's been released. So you get game. a lot of kind of broken combinations and stuff, which you you definitely take advantage of. Yeah, uh, and and the, the the whole reason I just kept on playing Wild is because. That's where I found fun. It wasn't a uh, conscious decision that uh, it was good for videos or not whatnot because I wasn't relying on making any money from YouTube or Twitch. I was just solely doing it for uh, like a hobby kind of like fun purposes. I wouldn't stream every day. I'd only stream maybe like sometimes like once a week or, or two or three times a week. But I'd make a video maybe once or twice a week. Um, and then at that point, it was it was just like a unconscious decision, and not everything fell into place. And then when I eventually did this full time, I was still having fun doing it. I'm still having fun doing it now. So I've just continued the, the formula that I kind of fell into. And that's the way it's kind of worked out. And I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to go down on this. I've been like, I've been wanting to talk to a streamer for so long. There's so many sort of parts of it that I'm really interested about. Like, is there an element of it that's like, because it's performance, you know, it's presenting essentially. Like, did you ever have that when you were younger, these aspirations of, performing in some way like stand-up or you know anything like that no not really uh like do you God. think of it like that you know i think the, what i do is it's like an exaggerated version of myself when you're on stream for entertainment purposes so when something goes wrong i don't i tend not to have i, I my, my my style of uh streaming I'm, i i like dry humor and i like uh you know, I like a, a lot of English, like British comedy court yeah. sort of stuff, like uh, Black Books, you know, IT Crowd, Father Ted, you know, like a lot of that sort of that sort of humor. Uh, so I, I tend to play to the camera, just an exaggerated version of me. So I'm quite, you know, dry, humored, a little bit sarcastic sometimes. So it's just a, a more amped version of that. So I tend not to have like a, a big reaction to stuff. It's usually just like facial expressions yeah. and, and stuff that you pull to the camera. Um, but I never really had an aspiration to become, you know, any sort of entertainment when I was a kid. That's, you know, I went into IT. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so not really an aspiration for uh, entertainment there. But I, it, it's sort of a relaxed feeling. It's when, I, when I'm when i streaming, it's more just like a, I, I always make a point 
not not making points. I always just talk with chat and chat are generally quite uh, in my stream. You know, really relaxed. There's no no spam or or you know you know as you say, none, none of the none of your typical Twitch chat. You know, if you've been in a few Twitch chats, you probably get like quite a lot of. You know, people are trying to aggravate the streamer or whatnot. I always There's... turn the chat off, like always. Yeah, yeah. Same. <laughs> but with, with, amazingly, with this, I don't know if it's just because I'm, I'm drawing that type of person into the stream. There's literally zero. I have, I, I have no mods, but I, I modded a few people because they asked for it. <laughs> yeah. But I, I typically have just myself as a mod. It's that, it's that really like laid back, really. Um, I guess the thing with it, with the performance thing, I'm interested about because. You know, you did it for fun, and then it's kind of gradually become uh, a full-time job. Like there has to have been, there has to be a point at, at somewhere along the line where you're like, oh no, I need to, I need to think about what I'm doing and how I'm presenting, and you know, what my image is as a person. You know, like from doing it for fun to doing it for a profession. Like I feel like there has to be that kind of moment where you like stop and look at yourself and what you're, yeah. how you're presenting and stuff. Like, is is that? Was that something that you started to think about when you thought maybe I could do this full time, or is it just like a gradual thing? No, I mean the the worst thing about me is really I, I might have, I might swear a little bit on stream, so I've tried to rein that back in a bit. <laughs> Other than that, I'm not you know I, I consider myself to be you know quite a grounded person because you know I had a, a you know I went went to school had a tw- job for twelve years. Uh, all all I, I grew up in a quite a a, a rough area in Liverpool, so I, I you know I've, I've always been quite grounded in that aspect uh you know good good family background and stuff like that so i was never really worried that you know how i present myself on stream i think is a good representation of uh what you know how you should act yeah sort of yeah i um, think i think that's part of why why i enjoy yourself so much because you do seem like just a genuine nice person nice is the wrong word for it that makes it sound bland yeah. but just oh, yeah. down to earth you know good natured guy that's it i think if you're going to take take this up as well you you just need to be relaxed sort of thing you know try not to get worked up I think that's why a lot of, there's a lot of stress with related to streaming because if you're playing a game as a job, as that sense, so you have to clock in yeah. at a certain hour and play this game for a certain hour, you know that can really stress you know some some people out. So I think it's just it's good to be treated you know as you're going on with friends, you're having a bit of a laugh, telling a few jokes, uh, relax, and then just take it from there really. Um, and how much do you do now? Like how much do you stream every day? Like does it? Uh, feel like a job yet no not really maybe i'll do or i'll generally do is four hours on stream uh maybe three hours trying to find decent clips editing videos you know and then the rest is like responding to emails and setting other stuff up um i do all the video editing myself when it comes to youtube because i I love that That, that's part of the aspect Mm -hmm. that i love learning new new things that's where i that's why i took took this job on it's basically because i wanted to uh to, to learn how to edit stuff properly, different editing techniques, uh, you know, what software to use, best audio quality, stuff like that. So I'm still learning and learning. I'm just starting to do like transitions now on stream, so it looks a little bit better. Um, so anything I can I can pick up as I go along, uh, I, I'm, I'm loving that aspect of it. So I generally do around about eight hours. So I usually do like four hours on stream, four hours in the back end, and then I'll chill out for the rest of the day. So it's it's typically like a normal... I, I'm trying to treat it as like a normal working hour day sort of thing. But I've got the benefit of having fun and I don't feel stressed like I, I, I previously did in some, some positions. And yeah, so it's just like, for me now, I, I feel much healthier. I feel I've got more flexibility. It's For me, it's great. Right at this moment, it's great. It I'm depends pleased if I, to hear that. 
And yeah. weirdly, like, just from watching videos of yours over the past couple of years, like, I feel like you look better, like, you look more relaxed, you seem kind of healthier in a, in a way, like, more at ease with yourself. Um, I'm sure that just comes through practice of doing it, but That's you generally you do. You get, when I was doing it as a hobby, I was probably getting, like, four hours sleep in between work, so I'd get back from work, <laughs> travel back from work, then I'd... Dude, I'd still do the same amount of like time stream, like four hours, and then I'll do the editing after. But the editing took longer because I didn't know what I was doing. So I was going to bed maybe at like two, three in the morning, trying to get a video uploaded to see how people reacted to it. And then I'll, you know, probably get my head down for four or five hours. I was, so I was probably a wreck back then. <laughs> like what wide eyed and uh, like bloodshot. <laughs> um well let's let's go back then, Dane. Um and if you can remember, what was your very first experience of a video game? I was thinking about this. So my, my parents bought an Atari 2600, which is the, uh, it's the wooden cat. It's the wooden finished Atari. Yeah. Anyone can remember, uh, you had like the, uh, single joystick with the red button. I think it was either centipede or it was like a rudimentary pinball game. Looked really basic. I think it might've been centipede was the first game I played. And who was this for? Like you said, you're from kind of uh, a kind of working class area of Liverpool. Like, did you have lots of brothers and sisters? Were your parents buying it for themselves? It was Christmas present uh, for the for um, it, I, I have a sister at the time. Uh, I still have a sister now, but I have three sisters <laughs> now. But at the, at the time, I had one sister. Uh, so it was for me, my sister, my dad, who who likes playing like playing games back then, and uh, not really my mother. But <laughs> so it was it was like a, a joint present for them. I, I think it, back then they were they were really expensive as well. But yeah, my, absolutely. Uh, it was it, the fingers with my work, the working class families. They always treat the kids at Christmas, no matter what. So they'll be saving all year long. Well, my family do save all year oh, long. Oh, God, yeah. So they get, make sure, like, the, the kids have a good pres- present. So, um, yeah, they, scrape, they, they got, the, the Atari was the first one I remember. Uh, and it was kind of a joint present for all, me, me and my sister, my, my father, I think, mainly. And, uh, yeah, so we had, like, we didn't have many games on there, but we had a, we had Centipede, pinball game and, and and some other i can't remember what the other ones were but they used to arrive in uh like uh brown jiffy bags with no case <laughs> so i don't know if they were second hand or, or what was going on with that. <laughs> oh man that's and that's totally true about like the the sort of working class families like it was for me it was always like you had you had a choice right so and you could either get like a really nice pair of trainers or like a new school bag like some some sort of branded thing or a video game console and it was always the console so i always had like a new console and yeah. really shitty cna trainers but still i had i could go home and play alex kid so it was fine oh yeah, i remember alex kid quality so, inbuilt into the system. oh inbuilt like and that was <laughs> this has come up on the show before but that was like the only game i had for about a year like i I mastered Alex Kidd. Like, I could play Alex Kidd, like, literally blindfolded. Like, I used to turn the TV off and play through the first level, like, through muscle memory. Yeah, um, I, I remember those... Sad days, a... like, but... I mean, just the image of that now, looking back, of me, that's this kind of, like, seven-year-old <laughs> kid just sitting in front of a turned-off TV, just pressing buttons. Yeah, I used, I used to love that game. I think... Uh... My, my, again, my dad bought that for him because I remember getting upset because my uh, my, my dad was sat on Alex's kid for about two hours. I said, Can I have a go now? It's like, hold on a minute, let me get past this level. <laughs> so, how like was it um, a kind of central part of your life growing up? Like, was that your thing then? From then on, like, were you always looking for the new games and the new consoles? Yeah, I mean, the way the way it worked out, like in in uh, I, I used to get back from school. I remember. 
and wanting to just start playing on the game. I, I have like some memories of like being on the game and, and needing to go to bed and you know, so, oh, one more, one more game. I think it was like Sonic and stuff. I had a Sega. I, I used to have, I had all Sega consoles at the time. So it was like, let me finish this level. You know, all those memories of like, uh, your mum wanting you to go to bed and, and you sat there like in your pajamas going, oh, just <laughs> let me keep on playing for a bit longer. But it was, uh, I never had a TV in the room, in my bedroom. It was always, uh, the console was attached to the TV. So you'd only get like set uh, hours to play it because, you know, my parents yeah. wanted to watch uh, I don't know, Coronation Street, or whatever it was on EastEnders at the time. <laughs> so it's like, uh, yeah. So it was always like you get like an hour, two hour slot when you got back from home, play a quick game, and then that was that was it. But it was always part of my childhood growing up. It'd be I used to come in Fridays. I'd I'd look forward to watching comedies like TGI TFI Friday, and then you'd have like you know good stuff on that in the afternoon, and then you'd have a little bit of a game, play on your game for a little bit, and then yeah, then uh, off to bed, but. That was a big part of childhood. Growing up was was playing on uh, playing computer games. And were you were you territorial about the about your Segas? Was it like were you very much the Sega kid against the Nintendo kids in school? <laughs> um, not not re- maybe when the Saturn came out and I was a bit older, I was yeah. I had oh man, you had Saturn the Saturn. Well. Oh, I t- <laughs> I'm I did so sorry, it. Dave. <laughs> I tell you what, I had Quake on there. What a cracker of a game. Um, yeah, a lot a lot of the a lot of the a lot of my friends at school went with the playstation and i was like oh I, i'm gonna i've got i've already got a satin it's like no one no one bought one so i couldn't couldn't really share any stories with the uh with the, <laughs> with the satin in school but uh yeah i was a little bit territorial it, it wore off when uh when the sat when the dreamcast was released but uh yeah i was a little bit a little bit protective of my uh, purchase of the satin at the time i mean it is like I remember at the time my friend Ben was uh, very similarly. He he was always Sega and he got the Saturn while everyone else. And then I waited to get a Nintendo sixty four. I was one of those and was ridiculed for it. Um, but just seeing like Virtua Fighter and stuff like on a TV at home was just oh my god! Like genuinely, genuinely amazing. Yeah, the arcade ports were uh, they they were really they got really good at them during the uh, Saturn and, and Dreamcast. Like mainly the Dreamcast with the arcade ports really good, like Daytona. But yeah, the uh, the Saturn was it was a bit unfortunate. Eh? How, how long did it last? Two years, three years? <laughs> yeah, was... that, I mean that was the the Saturn, and then the Dreamcast double whammy was like that's that's the end of Sega, unfortunately. Yeah, I I think the the Saturn was a bit unjustified. I, I thought that was a genuinely uh, a cracker of a console. I think it was like it was one of the first to go online, and you know at the time graphics were superb. Four, four, four ports and like the N sixty four four ports for pads yeah, on the yeah. console. Yeah, I was a bit disappointed with that one because I, I, uh, I bought, I, I bought that. I'd saved up money and bought that on launch date, and uh, yeah, <laughs> and then two years later, that was a uh, kaput as well. But I mean, I was like, I was kind of okay with that. I mean, in retrospect, I was quite sad, but I didn't get. I got a Dreamcast like when it was dying basically uh, so yeah, it was like yeah. fire sale i just got everything all at once it was absolutely amazing i had like one of the best summers ever just buying literally i would buy like 10 games for about 50 quid um it was oh, it was amazing keyboards light guns the whole shebang <laughs> it was brilliant um so so like as a kid then did you i think we're relatively similar ages like did you kind of seek out other kids that were into games or did you like buy the magazines and stuff because as a kid it was still like a super niche thing it wasn't 
cool to be into games and stuff. So I would, oh. I would find friends, you know, through video games, or I would just you know turn to magazines, which was like the internet back then. That was how you found the wider community. Yeah, it's not like it is now. It's uh, it, it, back back then. If uh, if anyone found out that you were playing games in school, you'd uh, I wasn't I wasn't really bullied that much. Um, but there was like you, know, you had the odd instance where you know. Uh, if if someone found out or some of the older kids found out you were into computer games back then, you just get the odd you know you nerd geek geek I think was the main one in England. People call you a geek, or uh, but yeah, it was the culture was a lot different. Like it only really started to become kind of acceptable to other kids that you know you played games when you got home. I think when Grand Theft Auto was released on the PlayStation, because then they they were all they were all wanting to play. Yeah, definitely the, the PlayStation time. was the changer with all the advertising and stuff as well and the club culture. Yeah, just from a personal memory, I just remember uh, it became it became cool to the, the kids in, in school that I was with when GTA came out. And I was like, okay. But if you talk still, at that point though, if you still talked about certain games, like games that were considered like wimpy or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> they'd, still have, they'd still have a go at you. But... Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's, it has changed. They're probably probably same age. I'm I'm 31 now, so it's. Uh, oh no, I'm I'm older than you. That's the depressing. Are you older than me? I am. Yeah, I'm uh, 36. 36. Uh, yeah, it's it's still yeah, it's kind of general uh, general era though. I think at that that time, I think I was I'm trying to remember when GTA was out. It was like 90, 95 or something like that. So I was just starting, just getting close to secondary school. I think. And like how. Like, did you ever have a time where you kind of moved away from games for whatever reason? Like, a lot of people tend, like, when they get into their higher teens, they kind of move on to something else for a while, or were you always just all in? Uh, it was always, like, dipping in and out of different, different like, uh, at different times. Like, console games, I I, uh, I stopped playing consoles after the Dreamcast, and... Uh, Too heartbroken. I, yeah, sort, sort of. I was like... I, I I loved the franchises at the ad, and it's like, well, now I don't really want to commit to buying like two consoles to get like Sega games because you know you had the Xbox, Xbox and Xbox and like PS2 and GameCube split, and they were all getting released on on those uh, on those consoles. So I thought, you know, I'll move on. That's when I moved on to playing PC games. Uh, Internet Cafe opened up in the city center, and my uh, I had two friends that were going there at the time. So. Not 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 religiously. I wouldn't go there every week, but every now and then, maybe like once a month, I'd go meet them there and play a bit of like uh, Counter Strike 1.3, 1.4, I think it was at the time. Um, and so yeah, we we chill out there for like an hour and just have a bit of a walk around the city center. I think I was about 15, 16 at that time. So that's that's when I started moving then onto PC games. And I was I was like uh, wanting to build my own PC, but it, it, I, I didn't build my own PC till I was eighteen. So it's like three years down the line from that point but uh yeah I, I think during that transition from dreamcast to moving into like playing on pc gaming I, I didn't play as much i'd maybe like play a little bit of console you know hang out with friends go into town and then play uh a little bit in the uh the internet cafe at the time so it did it did start to slow down late teens uh but as soon as i got a pc it was right back back into playing games at that point and like, what prompt? Like, why why change like that? Was that just because your pals were playing PC games, or you've been playing in like internet cafes and stuff, or was there yeah, a specific it's... game you were like hoping to get into? No, it was uh, it was it was because my, my 
my friends were uh, starting to play Counter Strike, and uh, they were there was nothing really. There was the there was Quake Free Arena. You know, they had Quake Free Arena. Multiplayer games were starting to really take take fold, like and kick kick off basically with uh, with these like multiplayer only arena games, and that that always interests me. Like I don't, I don't really like playing single-player campaigns. I've always found it interesting, best than someone at a game, like in a in a one v one kind of a situation. So it's like uh, games like games like Counter Strike, Quake Three in the early days, like a godsend for me. I used to love playing playing those uh, those games, and then Guild Wars was uh, was a bit another big one. Uh, and now 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 it's mainly MOBAs that I play. Uh, usually, like I used to play Han and Dota two, uh, so I used to love trying to trying to uh, best the opponents on that one as well. And did you ever think like about trying to do it professionally? Like, did you ever think about getting involved in games at all, like in any capacity for for work? Um, in a little bits as I was growing up, the first instance was we used to play Guild Wars. I had a friend. Guild Wars is where it was like a it was like a a multiplayer RPG. It was like, like, like Warcraft, but you could only get to level twenty. Didn't the cap was level twenty, not level eighty. It was a like a cut down version, but it had so much content for PvP. And uh, we, me and a friend, we 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 had like a team built of like a roster of like ten people. And this was like the first biggest esport tournament that was ever held. I think, if I remember rightly, it was Guild Wars One. It was a million dollar uh, prize pool, which was unheard of at the time. Uh, and it was for um, it was for the top sixteen teams to compete in Leipzig, and we we went for it. This is the first time I'd ever like been interested in, in like kind of like esports or uh, making money from a game. How old are you at uh, this point? Uh, two far- so it was two thousand five. It was released, so I was, I was probably around about eighteen to twenty one. It I can't pinpoint when the tournament was held, but I used to play. I played Guild Wars for about five years, I think. So I was, I was probably early 20s i think maybe yeah i'd say 20 around about 20 years old and uh we were doing really well we were uh set to like finish in the top 16 um because it is based on like an mmr system so based on rank both teams rank you know depends how much you mmr you gain i think we we, we placed out by about by about 16 places so we we didn't quite make the top 18 but that was like the first taste i thought what it's just the excitement of like yeah absolutely we could you know this could we could all fly out to uh leipzig we could all uh have a chance to win this prize pool you know so that was like the first taste of it and then a little bit later on i um before i was streaming i was uh, my friend started university uh he was doing um a game a game development course in in uh, i think it was he was up in aberdeen because uh, it was a free university in scotland uh and he was doing uh, he had a copy of maya um so when he came down he brought maya down with him and he was showing me all the tools and what to do you know with uh with building like 3d models and stuff like that and at the time dota 2 had released a workshop to create like, in-game hats items for dota and and tf2 stuff like that so i i had a little go at that see if i could make some <laughs> uh make some some items for dota 2 at the time but it uh, wasn't very successful <laughs> what did you make uh there's there's a lich king the lich king sword <laughs> i've got i've got pictures of it somewhere they went, i i thought they looked all right <laughs> they, are they, they still like can you still get them if you want 
Uh, no, they didn't make it in the game. Though. Oh, okay. I, I, I'd have to see if I can find the images for those because you have to take, you have to import them into the game, and then it takes manual screenshots of them basically, and then people upvote them, and if they if they get enough upvotes, then they may enter the game, and you, uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, I did that for a little about six months. I was learning Maya from his <laughs> uh, his student copy. Uh, yeah, then it, it it was fun learning it, but uh, I couldn't see myself doing that as a professional. I don't think I'm creative enough to do like original 3d model ideas so that that was it was fun learning experience but i didn't really go any further than that you do seem to be quite into that like you in terms of like you know tinkering and figuring stuff out and like you seem to like enjoy that part of it as much as the the streaming side of it and clearly like working in in it as well before that like how when did you start doing that like did you go to university and stuff uh so from from secondary school, I went to uh, community college in in Liverpool City Centre, Collegiate, I think it was called Community College. Uh, they were doing a uh, first of all, they were doing a, a computer science, which is at the time that's like the blanket name for all like computer courses. It was a B Tech in computer science, like a equivalent to like four A levels or whatever it was. Uh, and it turned out it was just it was rubbish. It it, it was sh- showing you how to do basic Visual Basic, uh, old programming language called Pascal which no one uses, it's like it's from the 70s or something like that. Um, they used uh, how to, you know, program databases for search functions. It was, it was, you know, it was a mixture of all basic stuff that no one would really use in the in like real application in, in the real world. So I finished that up. I, I, I got like a like an a, a equivalent or a equivalent in that because it was just too easy. It was just like a... Uh, it's like someone who was just starting to learn computers would, would take, essentially. Yeah. And then uh, as I was about to leave, I was considering university because uh, I had enough UCAS points or whatever it was for, you know, wherever the system is, considering it. And then one teacher said, oh, they, they run a one-off uh, Cisco course for one year, if you're interested. Uh, it's uh, like three out of five days. You go in during the daytime and... Um, yeah, it's like a, it's free. You normally this course costs like eight eight thousand, whatever Cisco charges. Yeah. So I said, oh, okay. So I read up a bit about Cisco and I thought, okay, that's actual, actual practical use. You know, a lot of companies need, you know, network engineering for new buildings and, and ongoing maintenance. So I said, okay. So I did that, and uh, yeah, from there it just kind of fell into uh, what I was doing for the past twelve years. Uh, so no university that that stopped me dead in my tracks really because I thought, okay, this is this is good. I got I passed it. Got a CCNA, and I was like, okay, well, I'll put a few interview, I'll put a few jobs out, see if I can get a few jobs, you know, go for a few interviews. And I ended up working, uh, yeah, for the NHS in Liverpool and then City Council for a good few years. And, and what about like games? Because I, I, one of the things I was like, when, when I speak to people who, who go to university, it's, it's not so much to go into university, it's kind of the given this chance to like reinvent yourself, right? It's usually the first time people move away, and it's whether or not you you take games with you, you know, whether or not you're like, oh, no, I'm not into games now, or if you, you know, find people in university to play games. So without having that experience, like how did your relationship with games kind of change as you sort of started working? Was it just like, oh, cool, I've got money now, I guess, so I can buy more stuff? Yeah, oh, it's a, I never really thought about that, actually, the way that evolved. I mean, at the time I was working, I'd stopped playing console games. So uh, I think... PC gaming was just starting to move into the uh, digital-only market. They were just phasing out like CD-ROMs and DVD-ROMs and stuff yeah. like that. So, yeah, I, I guess when I got in, 
I, I was always really tired when I got in because I, I was always being like a bad sleeper. So I never really got a good chance to uh, to to like after work go out and relax sort of thing. I always got in, was really tired. So that was really good for me. Practical. It was really practical for me to log on. I had Steam at the time. So I was probably playing games like Half-Life 2 and stuff like that. So Steam was just launched with Half-Life 2 as like a, a way to like push Steam onto all these PCs. So I started using that a lot. So when I, I'd, I'd like... I was still playing single play games quite a lot, so I, you know, I had like Half Life Two finished. Episode Two came out, buy that straight away. Uh, I had Quake. Quake Live was launched at that time, the browser only game. I got into that quite a lot. Played that for a bit. Uh, Heroes of New Earth, which was a, a, a online free to play game, started playing that, and I started moving into more like free to play games. That's when that model was released, I guess, at that time as well, where. You know, you can you can spend money on cosmetics or whatever. Uh, yeah. So that, with regards to the evolution, work, work definitely did affect me. It stopped me from really wanting to go out into the city center to buy games because I was I was always so tired coming from work. So work affected me with regards to to that. I guess I guess if I you know if I didn't have a job, I might have gone out and bought a console. It's it's hard to say really, but uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely, Steam helped me out a lot in that case. And, but were you uh, like, like seeking stuff out though? Like that—that that was, I guess, what I'm thinking. Like, or was it just because it seems quite like a passive interest? Like, or were you were you still like reading up about new stuff or like you know looking forward to new things? Uh, I was always influenced by my what my friends were playing because uh, we had we, we'd always be on uh, at the you know either Venture or Teamspeak, whatever we were using at the time. And uh, one friend would say, "Have you seen this?" And then we'd all download it, and then we'd all sit there and play. All, all, all these were friends from school. Uh, I went to uh, I went to school with, and uh, we were quite quite close. And whenever one one of the guys would find a new game and ask us to try it out, you know, we we give it a go and see how it worked out. Usually, typically, if it was a bad game, we play it for like weeks, you know, to give it a fair run, uh, and then we'd move on to the next one. But uh, sometimes we'd uncover like a gem. Like uh, the reason I started playing Heroes of New Earth, which is like a Dota clone. It was because one of my friends suggested it, and we we played that for hours on end, you know, after work for a good a good like six months, I'd say. That's kind of nice. Like this is like a new thing, the idea that you know, rather than like going to the pub with work colleagues you may not like that much, you can go home and just get on Teamspeak with like all of your best friends and just hang out that way. Yeah, it's such a brilliant yeah. thing. Yeah, it's it's such a nice. Uh, like you see, you see, I always saw them in person a lot. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd always. Uh, I tend what I, what I tend to do is uh, I worked in city center, so I'd go city center, grab a coffee, go home, see if anyone. I, I'd always check to see if someone was in the city center first before I had left to go to, to go home. Uh, so yeah, so it's, it's but it's always nice. It's it's nice to have like a duality of like uh, like socializing. You know, you got you can socialize with friends in the comfort of your own home without anyone being there. So you're not like obliged to say, oh, it's getting late now, mate. Can you uh, can you can you leave? <laughs> <laughs> and it's always nice to go out and socialize with uh, like work colleagues and stuff in, in the pub and or in a coffee shop so yeah I, I think that's a it is a really nice like modern way to to handle it it's less stressful as well i think <laughs> yeah absolutely I, it's quite interesting like i think it like because if you're doing that you know you're going to be drawn more to multiplayer games and cooperative games and competitive games and stuff um and it's quite interesting because based on like the way you play hearthstone in particular it's you've you very much seem to be someone who's like 
looking for, for exploits and pushing at the edges of what the game can do which is I, most people would probably only really do that in, in single player games like is that something specific about Hearthstone or is that just like have, have you always been quite kind of liking to sort of push the game as far as it can in various ways um, yeah I mean so most multiplayer games have like a set there's not much room for um, experimentation yeah exactly yeah I, that's why I like Hearthstone. It is down to the experimentation of how how different ways you can beat an opponent, or, or you know, uh, different combinations you can pull off. So there's definitely like longevity. There's, it makes it in the game massively long. You know, longevity of the game is 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 next to none in that aspect, especially when you can just you know pump out new cards every three yeah. months. But was um, it just Hearthstone that kind of like was there games before that that you would do that with, or was it something you he, discovered through Hearthstone? The first game I, I'd, that happened. Uh, I'd say it was Guild Wars One, uh, because this again, Guild Wars One had such a large skill pool. So the way it worked is you could pick a character with two professions, like warrior, monk, or something like that, and then you'd have access to like two skill skill pools, and there was like hundreds of these skills you could slot in. You only had eight slots. You could only use eight slots on on a on a hero, and you put in eight different skills. So you'd brainstorm, you'd have, so it was an 8v8 game, so the, you'd enter an arena and you'd be eight, eight, uh, 8 allies and 8 opponents, you're all on team speak. it wasn't like a random arena, you'd, you wouldn't ra- enter with like 8 random people, these were 8 people you, you selected, you all like were all friends and you all talked on team speak at the time, so you'd all brainstorm with like, should I take this skill? Well, if I take this skill, then this skill would work better. Oh, but wait, no, we can't take this skill because the opponents are running, you know, running these classes. So yeah. it's like a huge. It, the game was more brainstorming than it was actually playing the game, and the actual like skill levels. Of the game was was really high. It was one of my favorite. I say it was my favorite game to play. Was Guild Wars One, just because it, it, for that reason. It's amazing that 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 like that does sound exactly like how you'd approach something like Hearthstone, like where you have, you know, limited selection of an yeah. almost infinite variety of combinations, you know? That's uh, it. And especially with Wild, because it is literally every card that's ever been printed. And and it's more of like a solo expedition yeah. with with, uh, with Hearthstone, which is a bit of a shame. I mean, you can get on with a friend and, and discuss things, but it's a 1v1 game, and you don't even really interact with your opponent too much. Um, but whereas, yeah, with Guild Wars 1, the, it's just the the community and the interactivity of, of of talking to you know these these people that you play the game with every day for like four or five hours because I wasn't I wasn't in I wasn't in working at the time when I was playing Guild Wars so I'd play this game you know quite a lot and you just build this community you brainstorm all, all these ideas and you test them out and that's that's one aspect I loved and I haven't really had that experience since Guild Wars was uh, was was became unpopular. Um, and were they all your friends that you play with, or was it like did you build friends through the game? Uh, yeah, originally it was like I mentioned before, it was one of my real life friends who bought the game and said, you know, get this with me and we'll we'll play together. And then he kind of got bored of it after a month, but I was hooked. I couldn't stop stop playing the game. And then it was just a case of it was just making friends from you know different parts of Europe because we were on the European service at the time. Uh, and I met I, I met and made one uh, one good friend from the game. Um, uh, from Sweden, and I've I've uh, I've met him in person a couple of times. We've had a few drinks and that. Really, really nice guy. Uh, and that was through through playing Guild Wars. Um, so yeah, it was there was you know it's one one thing that Guild Wars gave me was a was a good friend for uh, uh, Nicholas. His name is amazing. Um, 
I'm going to take a, a brief aside then to ask some uh, relatively quickfire questions. Yeah, uh, sure. So, if you had to play a game with death for your own mortal soul, what game are you best at? Oh, oh! At the moment, I'm going to say I'll say Dota Two. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say Dota 2, yeah. I've got confidence in that. 1v1, Dota 2, I'll have a good go at that. Um, I, I feel like we've already talked about this a bit, but are you a particularly competitive player? Have you been locked in legendary rivalries with anyone? Uh, oh, not not one, one, one person. Um, with MOBAs, it's a little bit different. I, I guess maybe in Guild Wars, there was one clan. That we were, that we were locked into with a rivalry, but I can't remember the name of them. <laughs> <laughs> is that just a really subtle diss, or is that actually? No, no. At the, <laughs> at the time, we we kept on queuing into them, and uh, it was a lot of trash talk going on at the time. <laughs> um, if if you are prone to such things, uh, what was your worst rage quit? Ooh. Probably, probably Guild Wars, but not because of the game. I think uh, my broadband at the time was so bad that I was disconnecting, and there was no reconnect feature at the time. I was disconnecting quite a bit, and I just, I just raged out. I couldn't, couldn't log back into it for a couple of days. I was probably, probably that. I think. But no, nothing broken, nothing bruised. Uh, no. Ego. No, no. I, uh, I didn't want to break any of my, any of my equipment. It's hard to, <laughs> hard to replace. <laughs> um, has there ever been a game that's kind of consumed your life to the point where you've had to just delete it from your system and get rid of it um i'm gonna i'm gonna have to get wars again i didn't have to delete it but i did have to rain back the hours in because uh it's it spanned five years so it went from uh it when i started college i wasn't getting much sleep at the time and i was i was trying to you know do do both at the same time so i had to rain the hours of guild wars back in a little bit uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd say that that was probably the most influential game um, in my in my life. I think was Guild Wars One. It's, it's, it sounds like you had a brilliant time though. Like a lot of the times when I speak to people and they have like certain games that consume their life, it's usually you know stuff like World of Warcraft and Dota and stuff. Um, and it's always when it reaches a point where it's like, oh no, this is this is too much. Like, and I know that I felt like that in the past where I've played a game so much and just the guilt afterwards i can't any enjoyment i got from it is just erased by the guilt i feel from the time spent in it but you seem to have like really fond memories of it so that's yeah good. i was still a bit disappointed that uh it, it ended <laughs> I, used, I used to love playing it it was such a good game um is there have you got a game that you go to for like comfort like a chicken soup game uh at the minute yeah quake champions uh because just just a nostalgia feeling of, of playing uh all quake games so it's I mean it's not it's not like a it's not going back to the old retro one. It's just got the it's still got the same feel of uh, Quake Free Arena and uh they've imp- implemented like old weapon skins from Quake 1 and Quake 2 and uh and Doom. So uh, at the minute for that like that kind of nostalgia feeling I'm just going straight to Quake Champions at the moment. That, that I mean that is that is good like nobody's choice is wrong obviously but just as a kind of oh what's a nice warm comforting game I'm going to sit down with. <laughs> Like ultra the kill. Rail, the railgun. Oh, I'll tell you what. I can't. If the railgun's unchanged. It's beautiful. I, I, <laughs> just it is one that, of the best guns ever. Oh, the hitting that long shot, quick, quick, like quick flick of the wrist, and then boom. Yeah, can't get a better feeling than that. That's why I keep <laughs> going back to it. Um, 
given like you know the range of potential emotions games are able to evoke uh, one of the rarest is still uh, is still laughter so dane what games have made you laugh yeah i think sense of humor in games is always like it's not it's really missed rather than hit but portal portal nailed it i think portal one or two you know inclusion of uh, steve merchants as well was a nice uh, nice touch for portal two uh, other than that i can't really yeah, I've never really laughed at a... Maybe I'm not playing the right games, but I've never really laughed at a, a game. Usually the humor's too over the top or, or a, you know, low... It's like childish fart jokes or whatever, but Portal Paul 2 seemed to nail it. I, I thought they did a good job with that. No, it's, it's it's amazing. And one of the reasons why it's one of the few games people mention because they just... They did really nail it. Yeah. Um, so you're talking about, you know, you, you kind of... You have this decent job and you're playing games with your friends and stuff. Like... Did they ever think about streaming? Like, why do you think it was you that thought, oh, I'll just, I'll start streaming. That'll be a lark. Uh, I guess it might have been due to the the professions. Uh, one was a police officer. I don't think he would, uh, I don't know what okay. the rules are for streaming. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and being a police officer. Uh, and, and I guess the other ones were, uh, the, my other friends were just, just too busy with, with other things to consider it. Where at the time I had um, I had a bit of spare time at, you know at, on my hands during that uh, during that period, and I was always interested in trying new new things out. And that was just part of it, really. And like, what was that like? Like, I mean, like, I I guess that you mentioned earlier that you weren't taking it that seriously, but just I don't know. There's something about the thought of people watching me play games that like I find terrifying, which is weird because like I'm. I'm very comfortable on stage. Like I've done shows at the Edinburgh Festival. Like I'm, I'm, I'm quite a good public speaker. But the idea yeah. of someone watch, I guess because I play a lot of single player games, and I, I tend to. For me, it's a very kind of solo, kind of private thing, and it just feels a bit like, I oh, think, I don't, I don't want people looking at me. Yeah, I think for me, I mean, when you get on stage, you're you're, you're in the confidence that you're uh, you're really good at it, right? So you're not having anyone really judging you. I think because uh, people are going there. To uh, I guess is it comedy that you it's, do on? It's on, actually uh, magic. I do I do magic. I'm just ah, okay, right. So they go in there to be and uh, like amazed. I guess not in that sense. And you're yeah, you know, yeah, professional yeah. magician. Then I suppose with games, people are coming in to be to be you know impressed. And if they see any kind of slight mistake, they're gonna pounce on you straight away. And I think that brings on the nerves more. Because when when I first started, uh, I'd be sweating. You wouldn't be able to see, but I'd be sweating because if I I was trying to not make a mistake. And when you make a mistake, when you first start out, you don't know how to react. You don't know how to say, "Oh, uh, I've made a mistake here," or use comic effect, or yeah. you know, turn against the chat in a comedic way, or saying, "Oh, good, I was just testing you. I was meant to do that sort of thing." <laughs> but I think it's um, I think it's I think it's with, with streaming games, people I think are there to be more critical. Whereas, whereas someone going to watch an entertaining show, they're, uh, I don't know what they're expecting, but, you know, th- th- I don't think they're as, as critical when they enter that kind of venue. Um, That's really interesting. Because, yeah. like, I guess it's because I think more people don't watch streaming, you know, it's still quite a, a niche thing. So for people to go to, like, a comedy club or a theater or something to see a show, you know, as you say, like, they've got an expectation, whereas... I'd never really thought about the thing that brings people to streaming, but you just said like, oh, it's to see someone do something amazing, basically to be really good at something, which 
I guess I'd never really thought about it before, but it's totally true. Like that's yeah, that's why I I'm, watch like AGDQ every year because it's like just loads of people doing amazing things in video games, you know? Yeah, and if you're not if you're not like uh, amazing, you make mistakes, they'll they'll let you know straight away and pounce on it. Uh, I mean, I, I make a lot of errors when I play Hearthstone because the stuff I'm doing is sometimes complex as doing it for the first time. So, you know, you get a lot of the uh, uh, emotes coming out when you make a, a bit of a slip up. But, uh, and again, I guess with other professions, you practice and practice and practice and practice this profession. And if you do it in front of an audience, you know you're going to be on, on form, you know, without any any uh, any issues. But with streaming, new stuff comes along, different kind of variables come along every all the time, especially playing like, you know, Fortnite and stuff like that. Uh, I, I think, and I think that's what, what it's down to. I guess the most, the, the, the most skillful players get the most uh, viewers. You get some, some people that, you know, you know, uh, project comedy and, and, yeah. and are naturally quite funny. And, and that doesn't really matter how they play. So it's the expectation of the, the person coming in. They don't know what to expect. They don't know what the stream is about. They don't know if they're a professional player. They don't know if they're a comedic player. They don't know if they're kind of like a persona. So it's, um, I think it's down to that reason that it can be quite nerve-wracking because you don't know what your ex- ex- audience is going to expect out of you. And, and, uh, and also, like, who the audience are, you know? Like, yeah, I yeah. mean, like, I, this goes back, like, you've clearly thought about this more than me, but, like, probably one of the reasons why I started watching your videos is because they would have been shared because they are kind of, like, like, crazy interactions and, like, that's a kind of, a piece of sort of skillful play and manipulation that's like, oh, I've never seen that before in this game. That's amazing. But then it's the personality that kind of keeps you coming back. There's this kind of a kind of comfort to it, you know? Um, yeah. But actually, I, I, I guess I just don't know how you'd even start because there's so many people streaming. Like, I, I just don't imagine a person just sat on Twitch just being like, oh, I'll just pick a random channel. I mean, I'm sure they do. Like, they, clearly they must do. But I just don't know what that like. I can't imagine that like doing that. Do you know, it just seems like a weird thing to me. Yeah, I think that the 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 main mm, the way I thought about it first of all, I I didn't stream first. I did YouTube videos first, and I thought, well, it's probably easier, or it's it's easier to get an audience on YouTube because you can edit and pick yeah. like ten minute bites of like really interesting stuff. Whereas streaming, someone joining in. They could be like dead air, not dead air, but it could be like a, a boring game occurring at the time and they might just instantly tune out. So I think what I what I the way I worked it out first, this was a bit calculated by me, was to do YouTube first, uh, build an audience on YouTube, and then go over to streaming and okay. announce it to say, I'm gonna be streaming here such and such hours or during the week, whatever. Um, and then you build an audience from that. I think it's difficult to build an audience with uh if you just twitch if you just twitch stream only i think it's really difficult to build an audience because you got no uh you got no like audio you don't you got no um i guess you got no audiences coming from other places you yeah. just you're just relying on people clicking on your stream and get being entertained by it i think you need different inlets uh you know maybe like reddit if you if you do something interesting on youtube it might get posted on reddit and then people will talk about you there i'm fairly certain uh, that's how i found your stuff yeah, I, 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 or, or get on compilation videos as well. You know, when you if you first start out and you want to be a streamer, you know, send send a clip that you've done to you know the likes of someone like Trollden or uh, other compilation clips for that particular game you're playing, and then you get your face out there more, and people will maybe be interested in you know searching you up on Switch. 
I think that's the the main way to do it. I don't think you. I don't think anyone can just boot up on Twitch and just, and become popular solely by Twitch. You need you need all these inlets and all these places for people to see you in order to get that 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 ball rolling. Really. And do do you remember like a specific instance or game where that it really kind of hits and you're like, oh shit, this is a thing. Like you know when it became like you became known, so to speak. Um, it was it was like a it was it was really slow to begin with. Like you'd get you'd get like a like sporadic views on one video, and then the other video would, would hit nothing. Uh, I'd say the last year it's been a lot more consistent just for YouTube. Now YouTube like is uh just a consistent uh you know thousands of views per video. It's, Whereas before it was it was very difficult. I think the turning point was um, last year. I think last year it just suddenly started. The views just became consistent. I think the audience just started to grow. I think I was being featured on more like compilation videos. I think I put it down to I think I put it down to you know compilation videos that that uh, really started to like launch uh, the views on YouTube. And I think it was—I think it was that point about a year ago. Uh, and I mean, you know, all these compilation videos feature on on uh, on Reddit, and uh, yeah, and you just get known for you know appearing in like Trollden or whatnot, and then more people stick around if you're uh, you know if you're interested enough and and they're entertained enough, they'll start sticking around. And was that like, was that a, a thing that made you think, oh, maybe I can do this now, or like, had you already been thinking, like, I really like this, maybe I can do this as a job? Uh, I I I kept on putting her off and saying no. I had one friend who in in work who kept on saying you should try do this uh, full time. He said you know you should book a like two weeks off work and just like concentrate on this for two weeks and see how it goes. You know uh, as as like a test. And I kept on like uh, saying no to the idea. It was only when um, yeah, it was only really when. I, I did I, I did take the two weeks off work and realized oh you know what this is actually uh, this actually could work out I had a brilliant two weeks off I was like I was just I was getting up <laughs> a little bit later than I, I normally would I'd go out and get a uh, a cup of tea first at the uh, local cafe uh, get a bit of breakfast come back stream YouTube video and I was done for the day I was like oh man I've got like got a f- sort of like time yeah you know I'm not stressed out I've been working from home. And uh, yeah, it just took off from there. I thought it started, then, then the idea started formulating in my head more and more when I got back to work, and I thought that was that was a really good two, like two weeks off, and you know I did I did well, everything went well, everything was stable. So I just started thinking more and more about it, and then I just jumped in after that. I uh, give my leave, I, mean, I give my notice in, and uh, yeah, that was that. I didn't didn't tell anyone what I was doing though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, hey, what do your kind of family think and stuff and you i mean your friends i guess would know what it is and you said someone in work told you to do it but it just it's such a new like weird not weird but you know what i mean like different thing that then you know it's a, it's a new profession that's just been invented in the past couple of years like what what do the people think in your family and stuff yeah and my dad my mum my, my, my really doesn't get it she doesn't uh, she hasn't got a mobile phone yet so she doesn't really get the uh the tech side of it and uh you know why anyone would want to watch someone play a game <laughs> but my, my, my dad yeah my dad's uh my dad's really happy uh he sends me a message every now and then 
asking how I'm doing and that. Uh, but he, he gets it because he 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 played a lot of the uh, the games during like the early '90s when the consoles were released. Um, I mean, yeah, my friend, my friends would tell me to go for it because uh, a lot of the friends I've got in 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 work in the IT job at my age all play online uh, PC games. So they're you know they're really supportive. Some of them actually watch Twitch uh, over like Twitch streamers. So they would they were saying you know if if it works go for it you know because you can always bounce back into a uh, a similar Cisco job if not the same one. So I I think the risk for me I think with other people the the risk of like giving up a job might might be a little bit more than than what I had because I had twelve years experience in it. So yeah. for me it was it was it was a lot easier and I I'd saved up enough money to to make sure I was I was fine no matter what happened. So I think that's really important. And I think a lot of the Twitch streamers now are either just coming from university or, or, or quit university because they became popular on stream. So, again, the risk for those those guys weren't, weren't too high because they didn't have to uh, you know leave a stable job or, or whatnot. But uh, it, it's difficult. It's not a profession that you can just like, like get into. I think you have to... You have to have a job on the side as well as doing. If you want to, if you want to become a Twitch streamer, I think you have to have a side job and work at it. Yeah. Whereas I, I didn't really want to become a Twitch streamer. Not that I don't. I don't that's worded wrong. I had no intention. Yeah. Of becoming a like a full time streamer, but it's worked out beautifully for me now. Sort of deal. And how like this is maybe a really boring question, uh, and you don't have to answer if you don't want. But like, how do you get paid? Like with is there just lots of different revenue streams that you're just collating yourself? Like, do you just manage it all yourself? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'll go through it. YouTube is uh, based on ads, solely ads. So upload a video, uh, YouTube will deem fit based on the content, what ad it adds. And uh, each person that views the video, uh, there's a, a certain amount of revenue in that. Each person, some, sometimes people click the ad and I think there's more revenue in that. Um, so that's that's one revenue stream is through youtube ads basically so you upload and you get a certain amount of money from that uh twitch main revenue is from twitch is like split down you get sub subscriber um subscriber money so if someone subscribes to you, you get half of the uh half of that subscription uh there's also ads that run on twitch you can set it up on twitch so by default one ad plays when you enter a stream if you enter a stream to view one ad will always play and that's also add revenue for it if you want to you can put multiple ads in during the stream so every like half an hour it'll automatically play an ad if you want to do that i don't i don't generally do that because i don't want the streams to be interrupted for people i want it just to be like a continuous continuous stream yeah uh but you could you could uh you could get you get ad revenue through that as well and then there's the uh uh bit bit donations on twitch as well which is similar to like tipping on 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 twitch and there's a, you, get, you get revenue through that as well. Uh, there's also sponsors you could get. I'm not, I haven't got any like outright sponsors right now, but I know a lot of, a lot of Twitch streamers will be sponsored by the likes of uh, let me try to think like uh, HyperX, Corsair, you know, Razer, yeah. and the display. What will happen is they'll display like a code or a, or a banner on stream, or have it underneath in the panels, and they'll they'll get like a, a referral code or whatnot. Uh, so I think they're the main main sources. So there's like you got YouTube, Twitch, and sponsors as a third party. I can't think of any other other ways really. Oh, maybe if you're a professional player, you get like tournament, yeah, tournament prize pools and whatnot. Yeah. 
and and you just recently went and uh, commentated on the the Blizzard Wild Open. Like that must have been amazing. Like that must have felt <laughs> like properly like validating. Like yeah, I've I've arrived. You know. Yeah, it was really cool. I got contacted a week before the event. I think someone's visa had fell through, <laughs> and I was like, I was like. He said, "Do you?" It was like, "Do you have any interest in uh, casting?" I was like, "Yeah, I'd give her a go." You know, quite. I can talk naturally in front of the camera. He went, uh, "What about? Are you free next week?" It's like, <laughs> I said, "Yeah, okay, yeah." So that was uh, that was that. Yeah, it was really fun. Uh, it was in California, so a fourteen-hour flight. I arrived there mid mid uh, mid afternoon. Got a bit of sleep. Went for rehearsals. Yeah, it was really, really good. It was an experience. I was only there for four days. And uh, it was, at first, I was really nervous. Like, the first day of rehearsals, I was tripping over myself with uh, trying to commentate. But on yeah, the day... it's not then, something you do, like, generally, like, that, that kind of commentating on matches and stuff. It's usually just yourself streaming. That's it. And it, was, uh, it was, wasn't until the day arrived where like nerves and adrenaline kicked in it was uh it went well i think i think it, i haven't watched the vods back yet but i think it went well no i thought you did really well it was, it was good it was good <laughs> i don't really want to watch them back it's one of those <laughs> <laughs> but like, that must have been amazing like just to i don't know like be around all the other streamers and get to meet all, all the like people there and stuff that must have been quite uh i don't know just a cool thing like because again as i say it's it's quite a new job so like meeting other people who are part of that world must have been really kind of helpful i guess and useful and just you know feel good yeah i mean typically i don't get to talk about hearthstone to other people too much because there's not many not many people i know in uh in like real life here or in spain play it too much so it was just nice that all the players are really nice cast is really nice all production team so it's just nice to get 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 around the table we were sat outside at the bar having a few beers and just get around discussing ideas or or you know getting getting to know why they pick this deck or why they pick this class so it was really nice just to sit around with the guys and just talk about about the game for, you know for a couple of hours over a beer yeah absolutely um well like with this kind of schedule then like because you you know you're playing games essentially for for your job like do you still play other games like do you still maintain an interest in, in other stuff <laughs> yeah so now i won't play hearthstone off stream i'll only play it on stream to keep it fresh so i don't want to i don't want to like um lose the freshness of playing new cards and stuff off stream so uh to generally i'll try to get out exercise a bit and then to relax and play other games i'll log in to uh what selection have i got going on now i've tried playing fortnite i'm terrible at it uh, Quake Champions and occasionally Dota 2 and a bit of Counter Strike, so I I kind of shy away from playing Hearthstone and go back to playing some of the games I was playing before uh, Hearthstone arrived basically. So yeah, I, oh Overwatch as well. I play a little bit of Overwatch every now and then. That's so good. It's it's like over the past couple of years, it's like Blizzard have just kind of. It's like you don't need any of the games now. You just play play Hearthstone. You can play Overwatch, and they'll both last forever and always be brand new. Weirdly, yeah. Uh, I mean, they they have longevity games, don't they? They really I, I've, do. I've not played Diablo three, but uh, I know StarCraft is is got a new expansion recently, and uh, yeah, it's still like a big pro scene for for StarCraft two. 
and like there must be like part of you that's a bit nervous about that aspect of it you know because because you kind of i mean i suppose you've got a big enough audience there that it's it doesn't necessarily matter but there is an element of it where you're like i really like hearthstone has to do well you know for a lot of streamers like they, they want the game to succeed because that's how they make their living there you know it's a weird kind of uh, symbiotic relationship yeah and the the way it worked was with hearthstone i was intending to stream other games but in the uk uh i had really bad internet connection really bad broadband uh i had like one meg upload so the way bitrate works i could only stream hearthstone because the board's static the image on hearthstone doesn't change oh ah, cool so you can stream so you can stream like a board game sort of thing on on a low broadband connection uh and so i couldn't stream i wanted to stream dota couldn't do that i wanted to stream counter-strike couldn't do that because uh fast moving images it looks like a blur it looks like minecraft sort of thing yeah so i was kind of pigeonholed into playing that on stream only i was, I was pigeonholed into only playing hearthstone on stream at the time uh but yeah i guess now you, you want the you know if you're going to be pigeonholed into one game pick pick the right one yeah pick one you enjoy and pick one that has got a lot of longevity which uh you know unfortunately hearthstone does but uh yeah i think if it if it did fail and started to to wean off popularity i think i'd go for games like artifact which are coming out soon which is valve's valve's version of a uh card game i've not heard about this ah yeah yeah everyone was really angry because <laughs> valve announced a new game and everyone thought it was going to be Half-Life 3, and it was. Uh, it was not. It was. It was Artifact. We're never Half- going to get Half-Life. Half-Life. 3. Nah, I don't think we. I don't think we will. I, I'm not really that disappointed anymore. So I've come to terms with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh um, man, that is interesting. Um, I'd be keen to see what that's going to be like. It's a. It's a card game based off Dota 2. There's a. There's a few leaked. Uh, videos on YouTube of like handheld record. You know, they 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 added an event where it was shown, and uh, there's like a, some handheld camera footage of uh, of artifact. So it's based based off Dota 2, and it's a uh, a card game to I guess rival the popularity of Hearthstone because no other game really is is kind of competed with it so far. I think Gwent's fallen off a bit. And, and there was uh, Shadowverse for a while. Shadowverse, and I think yeah. that still does pretty well in in Japan. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, I don't. There's something like Hearthstone because I, because Blizzard are just so good at this kind of thing. Like the kind of the visuals and the audio, especially. It's just anything else would feel wrong, you know. It feels like that's that's what a, a collectible card game should be. Maybe that's just because I've spent so much time with it. Yeah, it's the accessibility. It's uh, easy to understand. Yeah, the the UI is beautiful, so it's really colorful. The voice lines and the card art beautiful, easy to get into. Now, if you look at Gwent, the first thing you see is like a really horrible brown, like wooden board. You know, it looks looks serious. The UI on it makes it look too serious, and the card text is quite big. It's in, that's a really niche audience they've gone for there. It's like the Magic: The Gathering kind of audience where, you know, you got complex strategies. Whereas Hearthstone, you can just pick up and play it straight away. Uh, I think uh, that's why Gwent didn't take off as as uh, as 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 uh, as big as Hearthstone did, it's because the uh, the audience is more niche, I think, for yeah. that type of uh, card game. And it's weird, like when I played Witcher Three, like I I played way too much Gwent. It kind of it became I be- became like the story of a Gwent master, basically. My my playthrough yeah. of The Witcher, um, and I never. But, but so when the game came out, I just 
did had I had no interest in it whatsoever. Um, and I, I think I did play the demo on the PlayStation. I just wasn't that into it. But yeah, Hearthstone they, they keep reinventing it and it keeps being really good. What do you think? Like we'll finish up now. But like, what do you think of the the new expansion in the the brief few days it's been out? Yeah, I, I like it. There's, there's always uh, there's always a lot of people that complain about one one or two certain cards, and it's a uh, shudder walk at the minute that they're having a bit of a complaint about. Uh, check that out if you if you haven't played Hearthstone before. Check out uh, check out the new expansion. By the way, shudder walk in particular. Uh, yeah, I've, I I like it. Uh, there's a, a lot of the uh, a lot of the echo cards. Uh, I think are really flexible. Uh, a lot of the mechanics in there I really like, and they've released enough interesting legendaries to last i think for the two to three months till the next expansion so they've nailed it this time i i, I some some expansions are hit and miss like i, I didn't enjoy um uh mean streets of gadgetan but uh you know this one this one they've nailed it i think and like just in terms of like when new stuff comes out like do you sit down in advance and like plan like you know brains like you said when you used to do with guild wars and just be like right what am I going to be able to do with these cards? Like, or do you just kind of do it on the fly? Uh, yeah, the, uh, the five days leading up, when all the uh, all the cards are revealed, I tend to wait until I've seen everything be- before formulating any any kind of like deck ideas. So I'll wait last five days for the release. I'll I'll sit down before and after the stream, and sometimes in stream, and I'll build a deck with like uh, spare slots available to slot these new cards in. Um, and then I'll usually release one video with like ideas for the upcoming expansion. So yeah, it's it's kind of like a solo brainstorm. So whenever, well, it's like whenever you're uh, whenever you're trying to think of ideas, it's always good to have like one or two people with you. So I, I've probably missed a few crazy combinations that other people have come up with already. But uh, yeah, it's it's nice it's nice to sit down and have a little think about what you can uh, what you can do with the cards. Do you ever get competitive about that when you see like someone like disguised host or something come out with some crazy combo and you're like, oh damn, like why I, didn't I'm I get that? All, I'm alright. They all, uh, I think they all play standard now. Most of the combos that you see are in standard, so uh, they're, they're not as not as wild or or as crazy as they are in standard as as in wild. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so I think in that aspect, I'm okay. I, I'd be get a little bit competitive if there was a. Uh, like uh, wild streamers that try to pull off combos, there are, but I don't think they're as as well known right now. So typically, I'll I'll try get all the crazy stuff done first, and then uh, move on to the the uh, the less the lesser stuff after, just to get the video out first. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Well, I think we've covered like pretty much everything. But if there's anything that kind of hasn't come up that you wanted to mention please take this opportunity or just, you know, let people know where they can find you online and watch your videos and stuff. No, it's been fantastic. Uh, I'm on uh, Twitch at Dane Half. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Dane Half and YouTube is at Dane Halfstone. Um, but you can type in Dane Half, it'll come up. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. Oh, Cheers, it's a man. pleasure. Was that good, James? Yeah, was that fun? Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun, yeah. Excellent. Yo, Nick and Steve, you coming out tonight? No, man, we're staying in to check out our brand new Sega console. Sega? What's that? Check this out. Yo! Yo. Master System custom 80 pounds. One way color and three channel sound. Yeah, they got more games than fish in the dark. Like Operation Warfare and Psycho Fox. Don't act hard type, bro. 
real game Chicks in HQ, world soccer, baseball, wonder boy too The list of games goes on and on and on The Sega boss is over 100 strong Sega Yeah.